Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two independent iOS developers. I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer from Leicester, England. And I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our independent journeys. Alright, so this week we thought uh, we would briefly touch upon Dave being an iOS developer but for someone else. So how's it going, Dave? <laughs> I think it's going pretty well. Um, this this is what I'm, I'm three days into this now in terms of working days. It's been this last week. Um, and I'm working for a local company called Swipe and Tap. They do, I think, a variety of de- development, um, but I'm, I'm doing some iOS development there. Um, and... I can't really talk exactly about the apps that I'm developing there because NDA and everything else. Um, yeah, sure. But I'm personally really enjoying it. Uh, the guys there are great. Um, and I, I actually feel like I'm sort of rounding out some of my iOS development skills while I'm there as well. It's exposing me to um, sort of doing things in slightly different ways because when you work for yourself, you know, you you build up your own habits and your own approaches um, it's, it's kind of nice to see how others do things. Um, and an interesting kind of side effect, I think, for me has been so Friday rolled round, um, and that's been a bank holiday here, Good Friday. Um, and I, I found I got some free time, and I piled straight into developing one of my own apps, Holovid. Um, so this is after sort of three days of doing full-time iOS dev at Swipe and Tap. Um, and yeah, one of the first things I wanted to do on my day off, effectively, was to to pick up one of my indie projects and just go straight into it. And I was kind of worried that doing iOS dev for somebody else might kind of dry up my interest in doing development outside of, of work um, and sort of doing my own indie stuff. And... The opposite has kind of shown, I think, here. Um, so for me, it's it's actually been quite good just in terms of, yep, I'm doing this full time. Um, but equally, it's not completely killed my passion for, for doing the, the developments outside of those hours as well. Um, yeah, it, it must be nice being part of a team doing, doing something as well. Um, yeah. Because... I- I personally haven't experienced working in a team as an iOS developer. All my iOS experience has been just me going solo. So if I were to go into a into a more of a corporate environment with a, a team of people, I think I would be very concerned that perhaps I've gone down the the wrong path with certain things. Yep. Um but there's no one here to call me out on it. There's only me. Yep. Um so I'm I kind of do a lot of reading where I can and you know, try and work things out for myself, but it, it would be really nice to have the opportunity at some point to work in a larger team because um, then you've kind of got other people either A, validating the path you have gone down so you can feel good about that Yep. or you can see there's a ton of other ways to do certain things that maybe you you would never have thought of if you, if you were just sat on your own doing it. Exactly, and I think it's, it's already, even just a few days in, I think it's already been good for me in terms of, um, let's say, being able to bounce things off other people and sort of have a bit of that back and forth. Um, I think maybe there's something to call out here in terms of, um, 
if you're doing things independently and you're not having much interaction with other iOS developers and perhaps even just other developers, um, maybe it's something you should seek out. You know, I mean, whether that's at sort of developer meetups or hackathons or things like that. I mean, there's there's ways of doing it outside of getting involved of, in working for somebody else or, or whatever. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe maybe that's something I'm, I'm I'm sort of seeing here is that having that contact with other developers is is really quite fruitful and quite useful. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a uh, an interesting few days and. It's it's really helpful to me because I'm in this kind of strange period of time at the moment where I'm, I'm hunting down work in New Zealand, um, as we sort of touched on previously. We're, we're hoping to emigrate as a family, um, which kind of means I can't really commit to anything permanent here. So, so having what is essentially temporary work, but working somewhere that's really good um, is is just really quite a blessing right now. Um, so yeah. Um, so what what sort of uh, hardware are you working on there? You take your own. I take I take my own laptop, um, and I've been plugging it into um, a 2013 iMac, which can work in target display mode. Um, so I've been appreciating having a bigger monitor than I'm used to back home. Um, <laughs> You're going to get the iMac bug now, aren't you? Uh, I'm certainly getting the bigger monitor bug. Um, I'm seeing that my my current 13-inch MacBook Pro, which is a 2013 model, um, it's it's holding up reasonably well. I think I could just appreciate a little more RAM. Um, But yeah, bigger display on my desk at home. I I can see that potentially in the future. Um, Although... Yeah, we, we are in a, a sort of no no big purchases mode at the moment as we're kind of trying to sort of figure out this, this emigration thing this year. So it's going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right, you, you'll get to New Zealand and then you can, that'll be just in time for the new Mac Pro, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will indeed. This week there's been a concept Mac Pro video sort of going around Twitter and, and places. Have, have you seen that, Dave? Yep. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So th- this was the one where it, it kind of looks like it reminded me of the older uh, Mac Minis, the sort of Core 2 Duo design, and slightly before. Where, um, oh, the ones that had like, the white top, yep. the white plastic top, yeah. It kind of reminded me of that sort of shape, but metallic, and then obviously it was positioned on its side. Uh, but it did seem to sort of hark back to that in terms of the the, the, the corners on it and everything. Yeah. Um, what did you think to it? I I thought. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a concept video, um, and that and that's cool. Um, the what did it have? It had a, a touch bar on the front of it, didn't it? It had touch ID at least. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there was like a, a, some icons and things going on. Um, I can't see. I can't see that happening personally. I, I think Apple are more likely to develop a, a touch bar enabled external keyboard yep. rather than build that in. And I'd sooner um, see that as well. Um, I'd, you, you would like that, would you? I'd, I'd sooner see it on the keyboard. Um, the machine itself could live wherever. It could be under a desk. Yeah, um, and again, that's that's making presumptions, isn't it, that the, the machine is going to be 
right there on on your desk yeah. with you. Um, and I think the last thing Apple need to be doing with this Mac Pro, given the situation they found themselves in, is start making presumptions like that. Yep. Um, I think it needs to be the most neutral product that it can be in, <laughs> in, in almost every sense. Um, I th- so I think it can still look good. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it can, it can, it can, it can look brilliant, I'm sure. But I think if they're going to start making decisions that will dictate where the machine will live or not dictate, I mean, you could just stick it in a cupboard and never use the touch bar, but if they're going to pop a feature on there that would be like, this should be on your desk. I, I don't think they should be telling people that. No, it's certainly not the, certainly not the pro market. No, not at all. Um, um, but again, it's, it's a concept video. I mean, I'm not, it's, it's all kind of, it's all a good bit of fun really, isn't it? Kind of experimenting, you know, with thoughts about what it could be. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen, um, a blog post that kind of tears into it in terms of how um, the design wouldn't work for thermal conductivity. They touch on the touch ID being a waste where it is. And, you know, the machine's too compact basically for the, the graphics cards it would have in it. And it looked like the height was dictated by the graphics card. Yeah. Um, Um, That I would like to see. I would like to see the ability to put in a full, um, you know, like a full, uh, like a 1080i yep. GPU, that would be cool. It's kind of got to I, love, have I that. love the way it. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I love the way it pivoted as well, so you could get to the parts. Yeah, yeah, that that, that, was, that was quite neat. It sort of they had it so it could hinge in the middle, and it was sort of vertical, wasn't it? So, yeah. and it then you then sort of pushed it to one side or the other, and the inside would pop open, um, so you could get to it, and. Yeah, it'd be nice to see the sort of get, getting to the parts being as easy as that. Um, I, I think there's, there's um, again, something here with, with the next Mac Pro, this sort of modular design. Um, I think it's got to look quite interesting when you get to sort of changing the parts and that side of stuff. Um, again, that's that sort of form over function there, but it's going to be part of the selling point of the machine, isn't it? Hey, you can it, do this stuff now. Yeah. It reminded me the way the, the way it kind of indicated the way the parts would be swapped out. It almost felt like changing an ink cartridge on a printer. Yeah. Almost like the way you just sort of slot a Ram stick in and then it somehow takes care of it. That itself, you don't need to be, you know, how you normally fit Ram in a traditional PC, <laughs> you yeah. pull the little hinges back and, you know, push it in and it makes that horrible crunch. And then you think you've probably broken your motherboard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah if they can get to that level of, of that level of abstraction so that you don't feel like you're a pc builder hacking away you know when you're changing a stick of ram if it can feel like you're just changing something as simple as an ink cartridge in a printer yeah whereas actually what you've done is swap out a gpu or upgraded the ram or put a new ssd in i think that's where it needs to be because that's almost like the level that we expect from apple yeah, yeah absolutely. it's to kind of shield shield the user from the nuts and bolts but the pro market is saying that they want you know expandability and it to be a modular system yeah and if 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 they can reach a balance there where that can be achieved where you can swap out a gpu for the latest and greatest nvidia or, or whatever it may be but you can do so in a really super elegant way that i think that's a, that's a really nice balance they should be aiming for internally yeah totally agree um and you know that'll be crucial to kind of the preventing people from going to the Hackintosh and that end of stuff that I was talking about uh, previously. Um, because anybody who's kind of on on the fence as, as an Apple 
customer and is considering a Hackintosh, there is a bit of friction there if you've never built a PC before. Um, and then if this comes along and kind of goes, hey, you can do this stuff and it looks really good and it's really easy, um, you're going to think, well, I don't need to worry about motherboards and you know screwdrivers and this, that and the other and, and trying to fit stuff myself. It's, it's just that easy. Get this machine. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the, the idea of building a PC now almost fills me with dread. <laughs> I, I don't think that. I can't even remember the last time I did build a PC. Probably twenty ten, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I, I used to find it really interesting, especially when I was a teenager, because you know it's quite a cool thing to do when you're a teenager is to build your own computer and then you can show it off to your friends and all that kind of stuff, but. I've just got no interest in that anymore. No, no interest whatsoever. No. I'd, I'd much rather just let Apple do it and get a really nice looking machine um, and, and leave it at that. And if they can offer that with the Mac Pro, but still give me the ability to upgrade it year over year with a GPU or RAM, SSDs, whatever. Yep. Awesome. That's, that'd be great. That is something I think um, this potential machine could sort of fit for me. Um, and you sort of touched on it there. Um is being able to upgrade year over year, but just with those specific components. Um, I think we we know it's going to be a, a heck of a cost. This machine is going to be quite expensive. Um, but it would be nice to be able to sort of think, okay, I pay that out now, and the refresh of the base machine is perhaps every four or five years. You know, I'm sort of investing for that time but kind of being able to assume, well, okay, I can refresh the GPU every year, every 18 months, you know, and sort of still keep keep some level of performance over that time um, as other bits depreciate. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, whether I would benefit massively from GPU upgradability. Um, I know a lot of people would, would really benefit from that, but for me personally, I think what I would really need is a ton of RAM and a ton of CPU cores. Yeah, yeah. As a developer, that would, that, that would suit me better. Uh, but that's obviously gonna, when you start talking CPU cores, that's going to make the price a lot higher in the first instance. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas if you were, a, say, a gamer, you could probably get away with the lower amount of cores, and and then just sort of go for the upgradable GPU. Yep. Uh, um, and I must admit, I am thinking that I'm probably going to end up with one of these. Uh, one way or another i i I get the feeling that this is probably going to be my next mac yeah assuming they don't completely ruin it um and i don't think they will i think they've they're being uh quite humble about the whole process they've shown quite a lot of humility yeah um so i I, i've got a good feeling that they're going to deliver something really quite awesome on this front um yeah likewise and by, by the time it comes out and you know, what's that going to be, 2018? Probably. Yeah, I mean, what's that going to make my iMac then? When did I get that? 2014, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's going to be getting on for four years. I'll be, get, I'll be getting the itch by then for a new <laughs> Mac, so it could, t- it could time quite nicely. Yeah, I, I think I can kind of foresee a Mac Pro in my future as well, but I've, I've really got a plan for it. Um I think this is a case of me making sure that um, the revenue I'm getting from my app development can fully pay for my my kind of 
hardware fix, as it were. Yeah. Um, which um, is cool, you know, that, that that's um, it's kind of been part of my motivation as well. I like having a decent decent machine. Um, and, yeah, something something to aim for there. Um, like I say, we've, we've got the sort of, you know, no big purchases this year kind of dictating in our family at the moment. Um, so really, I can't think about that sort of thing at all. But this machine is next year. <laughs> um, and if I can kind of aim things towards that, then that's that's no bad thing. Um, and again, the idea of sort of talking about a machine that's got a bit of upgradability to it sort of feels more like an investment. Um, I mean, I, I love the iMac I love the 5k iMac as a, as a screen as a, a machine it's brilliant um but there is that kind of feeling of um it is limited to what it is you know that is it you're buying that machine it serves you that purpose like you say for three years four years five years however long you want to keep running it for but it is basically as it is when you buy it I know you can upgrade the RAM um, and I know you can add external storage to it and that sort of thing, but you, you're not going to change the GPU and the monitor is as it is, you know, and if you wanted anything different to that, it's a new machine each time. So yeah, I'm quite looking forward to the idea of a good Mac Pro existing that kind of gives you those other choices. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I, I, I wonder when, when we're going to hear anything about it. I don't, I think probably wwdc's too soon yeah yeah this year i think i I, you know even just you know some kind of vague concept i think that's we're not going to get anything like that no for i mean they might they might surprise us Um, they could do but i I suspect wwdc is going to be kind of a recruiting ground this year for finding out you know the designs that they've got in 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 mind kind of testing the water with people and sort of finding out what um, where people's heads are at overall. You know, if anything, I would imagine it's sort of that bit of um, kind of market research maybe going on with some of the conversations that engineers and people are having with developers who are there. Um, perhaps, I mean, we could, it could always be proven wrong. Um, but... Then I'm sort of thinking, you know, uh, with the timeline that is is sort of going on at the moment, because it's sort of fairly clear that this this switch, this um, move by Apple, is actually sort of fairly recent. Yeah, it, it feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've heard a couple of things that kind of sketch it out out to sort of maybe three or four months ago when the sort of initial decision was made. Yep, we're going to explore and start doing this. Um. So yeah, they're, they're still in the sort of the the full on research mode for getting this right. Um, so I, I'd expect to see some leaked designs, maybe sort of September, maybe out that that sort of far where you know designs get leaked, as it were, to essentially test the waters for the sort of feedback on them. Well, like a controlled leak. Yep. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm cynical enough to believe that they absolutely do happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, they absolutely do. Of course they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think um, it will be interesting, really. You know, the, the moment that something like that does happen, it'll be interesting to sort of see what's going on because I imagine there'll probably be a couple of different designs, at least, that are kind of being almost A/B tested 
in that way. Um, and then, you know, the actual machine that arrives will be somewhere between the two, probably, if that if that's the case. Um, I hope, you know, it'd be really, really good to kind of get inside this before it's um, actually done, in terms of, of, of seeing leaks or concept designs or whatever. Um, and it kind of feels like there's the ability there for the sort of tweeting public to have a bit of an impact on this as well. I, I feel like Apple are actually listening is kind of what this, this announcement has shown everybody. Um, yeah. Or, and, and, and also that this is a different product line to everything else they do. Yeah. In, in that this is really for a very specific slice of their market. Um, you know, reading different blogs and listening to other podcasts. I mean, some it seems like the Mac Pro really is a sing, when they say a single digit percentage of their Mac sales. I mean, that really could be one percent, yeah, possibly two. But you know, there's good reason to think that it could they could mean just one percent. So it's a very very thin slice of what is already a very thin slice of what they do. Yep. So you know, we we might get a kind of a different version of Apple on this in terms of the way that it's. Uh, it's presented to us and announced and the way they behave around it. Um, I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect full access, you know, ridiculously early. No, but I, I maybe in terms of them showing a preview at WWDC that I wouldn't be that shocked if it happened. I'd be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be like, wow, this is, you know, unprecedented. I, I, I think maybe they would address the pro market a little bit differently. Yeah. It, especially especially as they're almost in apology mode as well, aren't they? Yeah, it feels like this version of Apple, as it is right now, could actually do that. Whereas a year ago, two years ago, I don't think it felt like that. Um, it certainly wasn't the sort of version or attitude that Apple had when they announced the trash can, the 2013 model. You know, it was very much, here it is, this is what you're getting, ta-da, done. Um I think, but then that didn't come out until within, I didn't think they started shipping until was it January or February the next year? It took a while, yeah, yeah. It so did. if they say it's not going to be done this year, stands to reason it might be done next year, right. maybe the early part of next year. So maybe, maybe they could announce it at WWDC. Now that that kind of worries me. I still think it's going to take them a while to to really nail the concept and design. Um, so I think that could be further along. So, Dave, we talked earlier on about what I've been up to lately, um, but I know that you have been kind of in sort of startup and sort of self-promotion mode with your web development business. Um, how's that been going? What have you, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I've got it listed in our show notes as self-promotion woes, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that goes some ways to telling you how I feel about it. Um, oh, no, I think so. <laughs> No, essentially, um, I'm kind of, I guess, in what you call the on-ramp stage at the moment. Um, so I'm trying to trying to get my name out there, really. Um, and it's it's harder than I, I thought it would be. Um, so I, I started out this week leafleting um, local industrial parks, of, of which, unfortunately, they're, they're, you know, there's a few around me reasonably nearby, yeah. Um, so I could leafleting to me always feels a bit of a like a hit and hope. Um, yeah. Sort of 
yeah spray and pray kind of yeah. approach to stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that I could just hit a few industrial parks because then I can kind of concentrate my efforts on one park and get it all done within an hour or two, and then then I'm good. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to having to drive around miles and miles between each business that you know may not even be interested in any case. So that's yep. kind of good in that sense. Um, the issue that I've had is trying to get my my little brochure that I've put together in, in front of the decision makers of the businesses. Yep. Um, because I found that I've been confronted with a lot of um, kind of support staff, be that receptionists or secretaries or, or the person on the desk. Um, so... It's it's tough because you know they they say they'll pass it on, but I don't know if they will because um, I, I know where I used to work. I was always the way the office was configured. I, I was right by the door. Um, yeah, me and my colleague were right by the door. So whoever walked through the door, and bear in mind it, we were in an office that was full of other companies. Um, so <laughs> there was lots you know lots of other companies that would rent space. So yeah, you kind of get reps that would come through the door. Um, even if they weren't for our company, they would still naturally sort of gravitate towards us. Yep. Uh, and we'd have to do the whole, yeah, yeah, we'll pass it on. And, and I know for a fact that sometimes we never did. <laughs> just no, you just say what you need to say to get back on with your work. That yeah, because it, it, is, it is an interruption. And I feel, I feel really bad about interrupting these people as well. Um, yeah. The whole idea of what I've been doing this week doesn't sit well with me. I don't I don't really... Maybe there's a confidence issue going on as well. There, there undoubtedly is. Um it kind of feels socially awkward to walk into someone's office, interrupt them and try and give them um, an information pack that I've had made up. It, you know, it doesn't feel, it feels quite no. intrusive. I guess as a whole, um, there's a whole thing here. I mean, this sort of sales is, um, it's its own field. It's, it's its own arena, you know? Um, I mean, you're doing effectively what in my previous job we would have described as field sales um and there is a there's a whole psychology there and getting that decision maker contact with business owners is tricky um like you say when you sort of come out of the blue and you're there physically in person so i guess i'm wondering here whether this is actually it's just not necessarily um the right approach overall in terms of I think if you manage to get that and that sort of decision maker contact, if you're actually stood there and talking to the business owner, then I think it absolutely could be. Um, but as you're finding out, they're not necessarily the people on the door. They're not necessarily the people you're going to get to speak to sort of firsthand. Um, no, that's right. So I ran a little A-B test. Yep. Um, so I found that when I was going around sort of during during business hours, trying to talk to people face-to-face, I, I wasn't getting to speak to the decision-makers, um, which is understandable. So I went round again in the evenings yep. to a different area. I didn't do the same area twice. I sort of split two areas. Yeah. Um, so one half, one area I went to during the day, the other half I went to during the evenings when no one was there. So during the evenings, I just literally um, put something through the letterbox and onto the next one. Yeah, um, in the hope that smallish businesses probably chances are the person who opens up in the morning is either going to be the boss or a, a manager who's a key holder who therefore is either a a decision maker or b very 
closely linked to the boss. Yep. Um, the following day, after I, I'd gone around in the evening, I was heading to another industrial park on foot. Um, and I thought to myself, oh, I, I forgot to do a couple of businesses on, on in the evening. Yep. So I went back up through town in the morning um, to pop pop in on those couple of businesses. And I was following this guy down the street with his dog. And I thought, oh, you know, he's just, just a dog walker. <laughs> and uh, then he turned in to open up one of the businesses I'd fired a, an envelope through the night before. Yeah. Um, so chances are, if he's bringing his dog to the office, probably the boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's normally bosses that manage to get dogs into businesses. Um, <laughs> and he was opening up with all of his, he had this big thing of keys that he was opening up the business with. So chances yep. are, I think he was probably the boss. And I saw him open the door and I watched him. because so I thought, oh, I remember putting one through last night and he picked up the leaflet and he looked at it. So to me, that I, I would call that a success in that, you know, that a decision maker has seen, seen my envelope he's seen my brand he's seen what i'm offering um, yeah so, so that's kind of good so i think that might end up being the most effective approach in, in that space i don't think this is the most effective approach in terms of advertising no. in general um but i think possibly that might turn out to be the best so i've kind of split i've hedged my bets really i've done 50 50 yeah and uh we'll, we'll see what's come of it i've seen my web traffic go up that's so, interesting so that's cool. Um, yeah. People are um, spending about a minute and a half on my website. Okay. Which I'm pretty pleased with. Are they, is there any sort of call to action beyond what you're selling there um, in terms of like getting them to sign up to, um, to anything for updates or anything that sort of lets them keep in contact a little bit more? There is a contact form which i encourage them to get in touch by but i want to be doing more exactly how you mentioned it i want to be um my my ambition is to offer them to sign up to kind of get more information about how they could help themselves if they already have a website yeah because a lot of these businesses already they already do have websites it's not like they don't have websites at all and i'm going in there to make them one they uh, you know all of them have pretty much got website addresses on their signs and on their vans and everything else yep um so i figure it might be a nice idea if i could um sort of do a bit of content marketing i suppose in that i could write some help documents about how they could help themselves in terms of um maybe seo because there is a lot you can do yourself if you're a, a website owner and you've got a very basic content management system there's an awful lot you can do to help yourself um, so I was thinking maybe I could do that and use that as a hook to get people to sign up and keep in contact and then over time develop them into a, into a, a lead, which would be yep. cool. Um, depressingly, I, I was reading that after all of this leafleting um, that I've been doing, I can expect around a 1% response rate. Yep. Um, yep, absolutely. Anything 1% to 2% from cold calling is potentially good. So yeah, um, that's a... That's yeah. a small number. <laughs> um, I've got a. Have, have you got any more of this that you're going to do, sort of over this next week or two? Um, I'm pretty much done on the going out on foot and handing out leaflets. My yep. next step is to become more active on Facebook in terms yep. of getting a Facebook page created, and then I want to be experimenting with Facebook ads and Google ads. Yeah. Um, because then I can target that quite well. 
I um, think that could be um, could be quite fruitful because you've got the potential there of sort of finding people when they're in in the right mode as well. Exactly, and and looking at the um, Google AdWords when you search for a phrase, they tell you how many people per month on average are searching for that phrase. Yep, um, and the phrase web design North Devon, which is where I am, um, gets fifty searches a month. Right. So that's fifty people that are in gear looking for exactly what I'm offering. Yep. So it, it makes sense for me to get right in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, that, that's that is your niche. There, whereas isn't all the, it? all the other businesses that maybe I've gone around this week, you know, maybe ninety percent of them aren't even remotely interested in a website. And out of that remaining 10%, maybe 6% of them are kind of like, yeah, maybe someday it's on our radar, but not right now. And yeah. you know, the, the, it goes down and down and down and down in, in, in the percentages as, as you go on. Um, um, I've got a, at, sorry, go on. So I was going to say, I've got a, a suggestion for you, and it would have probably been better for me to have suggested this a week ago, really. But <laughs> <laughs> you were saying that a lot of these places have websites you know, listed in, in their, um, on their displays. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they quite clearly have at least a basic presence already. Um, is it possible for you to kind of collect those websites and then go through and try and email those people and reach out and contact them sort of fairly soon? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I've got a Google sheet where I'm collating email addresses, website URLs. Um, Brilliant. So, so, yeah. And, and the other thing, especially near where I am, there is a ton of um, sort of holiday cottages, self-catering resorts, things like that. Yeah. Um, and now it's harder for me to go around all of those on foot because they're kind of scattered all over Exmoor and along the coast. And, you know, it, yeah. it, it would take me days to go around them all. Um, so I think that approach, almost like cold emailing those kind of people is going to be the best approach to get that. And that's, that could be a huge market. Yeah, just right, right there. So I'm kind of, going trawling through uh, all the different holiday cottage directories trying to figure out um, what you know where where they are and their email addresses because of course if you go to a holiday cottage directory you don't get always a link to their website because the directories want to keep you on their website yes so that they get the yeah. commission on the sale because the minute you go direct to the owner they've lost their commission <laughs> so I've kind of got to look at the name of the cottage then kind of google around for it and it might be that that one cottage is part of a larger group of cottages that has its own name and URL over it all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, slowly but surely I'm getting a list together. Um, so yeah, I'll hopefully be doing, trying out my, my hand at cold email marketing, which was convenient yeah. because I got an email through on Thursday from Noah Kagan, um, sharing his tips about cold email marketing. So that couldn't have come at a better time. <laughs> Um, yeah but yeah i think, I think at the moment it's just keeping my head down and keeping going really um my next step is looking at local magazines as well there's a few local magazines that go around which are kind of they're basically advertising with a, a little bit of editorial in them yeah but nevertheless they go to around twelve thousand homes and businesses locally so i can get in into those for around 60 or 70 pounds i think which on the face of it is you know it's a reasonable amount of money but i think I need to speculate to accumulate really at this stage. Yeah. And if that leads to, you know, one customer or whatever, does that end up sort of paying for itself? Oh, it, it instantly pays for itself. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, I just need to take that chance. 
Um, so yeah. I've set aside a budget for things like that. There's a few sort of local magazines. So I've kind of set aside a bit of budget for that. I've set aside some bu- budget for Facebook ads and Google ads. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of see what that yields really. Awesome. But yeah, it, it feels very much at the moment. Um, like I'm trying to, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing a lot, but I'm not getting a lot back at the moment. Um, yeah. Probably because what I've been doing so far has been sort of physically jumping in the car and going out for the day on <laughs> foot, handing out leaflets, um, getting kind of lukewarm responses from the people I have met. Yeah. Um, which can be a little bit disheartening, um, especially when you hear when you know, I got I got back after a day of doing it and read that you get about a 1% to 2% response rate. And I was like, oh, really? I've just spent all day going around. Yeah. Um, but that's I still need to do it, even if it's a 1% uh potential response rate i still that's that's not a reason for me to say oh well well i won't bother then because it's not worth it i think it's still valuable just in that if someone sees my my logo if that's all they see if that's all they see on it's just a logo and then maybe a couple of weeks from now they might scroll past and see my logo in a facebook ad and then maybe they'll open up a little local magazine and see it again and then hopefully i think it's that combined effort that's really going to do it this is when you've got everything else there together um, that I, I think, yeah, that is where this is potentially going to pay off. Yeah, it's it's interesting thinking about all this and sort of coming back to what you were saying earlier about your iOS development. In that, I feel that I've almost switched gears this week. Yep. Um, almost to the point where on Friday I remembered we were doing this podcast today, and I'd almost that had almost fallen off yep. my radar because I I got so into to this side of things i i've i feel like i've been neglecting my ios development a little bit i don't think i've opened xcode in over two weeks now or possibly three weeks that's scary (laughs) (laughs) but Uh, like on on the other hand i suppose um if you're doing indie development and you've you know it's, it's a passive income really so my income isn't directly tied to my time that i sit in front of it no um no, you've built the apps. They're in the app store still, um, and you know that that is one of the benefits of, of of having them as a side business, as an indie project. Is you can speed up or slow down depending on whatever else is going on in your life. Um, and, and right now, the the web dev company is potentially going to be your your bread and butter. Yeah, you know, I think it will be, and and that that has to take precedence and, and I'm in the, the same sort of boat in terms of, um, you know, if I land the job that lets us emigrate and be in New Zealand, that has to take priority over anything else. You know, when, when I'm in that job, whatever it is that I'm doing there, if that means I don't touch my apps for several months, then, then so be it. You know, that that's the way life is going to have to be. Um, it doesn't mean I'm going to suddenly lose interest in what I've done, what I'm doing. Um, clearly, you know, Good Friday, after three three days at um, full-time iOS dev elsewhere, I'm, I'm straight in there and, and having a go at it in my free time. Um, you know, I think the same will be, be for you as well. But, yeah, like you say, right now, this has to take priority and... It's it's one of those decisions that anybody going into indie dev just has to sort of be aware of. Really, is that unless that itself is delivering you full time income, then it's always going to take a lower priority to what is. You know, um, 
it, it would be silly to be prioritizing something that, that is not supporting you over something that is or something that is likely to be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so I mean, it's, it's just something to, that we need to bear in mind really is that these projects, they're either side projects or they're not big enough yet. You know, I mean, I, I hope that I'm on, on the path eventually to having a, a sort of fairly reasonable income coming in from my, my independent apps um, right now they're you know supporting my iPhone habit at least and a couple of other things um, obviously I'd like that to expand to a Mac Pro uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, you know longer term it would be nice to see a higher return on that investment but the amount of time that I spend on the apps it has to be fit around the things that are bringing the income into the family that has to take priority. Um, and in your case, a new business is not going to be successful if you don't put this, this time in now. So it's, it's part of what has to happen really. Um, it'd be interesting to see three months, six months, a year from now, how that sort of ebbs and flows, because I think you're going to end up with periods of time where you can come back to the, the app development that bit more. Um, and then other periods of time, which is like this, yeah, you know, where, where, where you have can't. to, yeah. So uh, it's, it's just part of it. Um, but I guess for me with developing my, my own apps, one thing I do try and sort of keep in mind is that I, I do have a sort of roadmap for each and it doesn't really matter whether it, it doesn't matter to me whether I'm hitting it constantly and there's always features or new things sort of coming off that list. Or if I have to sort of scale things up or down because of other, other things going on, that's fine. That's okay. But the thing is to then come back to that sort of roadmap, take the next thing off next time and just make sure that I am making progress whenever I am back on it, you know? Yeah. Um, so. No, I feel like I'll be glad when this uh, initial marketing pushes over um it's not something that comes naturally to me uh, I, th- I think possibly you know part of the reason i went into being a software developer is because this kind of thing isn't my uh my thing at all going around knocking on doors talking to people um but it's necessary so yeah it's uh it's one of those things that i'm not not i don't feel like i'm good at i don't feel like i'm very confident at um but you know, I kind of feel like I had to push myself out there this week and push myself into uncomfortable territory. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm glad I'm glad I've done it. Looking back on it now, I feel I feel like I've bettered myself in in some small way. Um, but there's certainly a very large part of me that thinks, oh, wouldn't it be nice when the work can just keep coming in and I don't have to <laughs> <laughs> go out and bang on people's doors anymore? Because uh, yeah, it's not not the most pleasant thing in the world for me. All right, that just about wraps up this episode. If you've enjoyed the show, we would love for you to give us a review on iTunes, or if you're an Overcast user, we'd love for you to recommend us by hitting the star button. So, Dave, before we go, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at davewood.uk, and you can find my applications at RoboHeads. That's RoboHeads with a Z at the end, dot com. (laughs) How about you, Dave? Uh, You can find my two apps, Armchair Remote and Space Readers. Armchair is at armchair-remote.com. Uh, Space Readers 
is at spacereaders.com and my new web consulting business you can find at root-digital.com.